Everybody give a hand to Rebecca. She is new. This is her first week here, and we apparently are working her. Where's our marker? Oh, you have a marker. Okay, you can test it and see if it works, because I don't know if it works. Yes, that is a great marker. All right, in your hands, you will have a sheet. Yes. Oh, good point. All right, in your hands, you will have a sheet that looks like this, like Christmas has come. That was designed by our lovely TK, who is in our lovely creative communications department, which is very, very important. Um, if, you want, if you're artistic and want to do this kind of work, then let us know because that's really important. All right, so in your hands you have this because we are doing something new today. We're doing a series on top of another series. If you remember habits, raise your hand. Oh, this is good. I'm glad you don't remember. Well, not that, I don't, that you don't remember, but I'm glad that not everyone has heard this. Okay. What also we're doing, not this week, but next week and every other week, we're going to trade off between habits and our uh, purpose statement. You guys remember our purpose statement, our mission yes. statement, right? We're going to go through each of the words in our, in our mission statement, and my staff is going to be teaching that. They're teaching that in teams. Isn't that cool? So I don't have to teach. I haven't taught in like two weeks. This is fantastic. Or three weeks now. This is fantastic. So I'm going to be teaching habits. So this week I'll teach habit one, and then next week they'll teach honor. Okay, then I'll teach habit two and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's kind of how we're going to be breaking it up. So if you are missing any of the weeks, uh, they all kind of add up together. If you're missing any of the weeks, just download our podcast and you'll listen to it. We got about 100 downloads a week, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So there are people that listen to our, uh, uh, the, our, our testimonies, our sermons, our, our stuff like that. And if you ever go to our website, One Light Community, you'll see a lot, a lot of our blogs. Sean. And her team put out a blog on worship, on the worship songs, each of the songs. It's really cool. And then um, our staff put out blogs on, on spiritual things, on funny things, on that kind of stuff. And you can see pictures of our staff. Did you see the, the group picture? Go back. No, no, go back. Don't they look nice? I know. <laughs> so we are missing, we are missing uh, um, Philip Kim and uh, Dr. Kim, so... <laughs> and an Aaron fan, an Aaron fan. Dr. So, Doctor Fan. He just got his white coat. Uh, hey, no, no, no. There's no. You don't need to cheer. That's his, it's his third white coat. He collects them. Yeah. He has so many degrees. He's like a thermometer. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So here we go. All right. So we're talking about habits. All right. So why are habits important? Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me why habits are important. You do, it every day. you do it every day, and what happens when you do it every day? What? What, Kim? Yeah, it becomes part of your life. There's good habits and bad habits, right? Habits are really, really important, okay? Because it starts to shape who you are, whether you want to go that way or not. So, if you are a crack addict, that's a habit, right? Whether you want to be on crack or not, it's going to shape your life. If you're on meth, you'll have no teeth. It's just the way it is, right? If you are addicted to video games, right? People are having heart attacks and dying in, in, in China at cyber cafes and stuff like that, right? Your life leads to something as that habit begins to form and begins to lock down in your life. It's kind of like addictions, but we're talking about like the, 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 the engine parts of it, okay? So habits, we obviously are wanting to talk about good habits, not bad habits, Right? And one of the habits, of course, is hanging out with God. Now, that sounds really simplified. All of you in here know it's good to hang out with God, correct? Yes. 
right? But how many of you, how many of us do it well, do it consistently? That's hard to say, right? That's hard to say, right? So this might be just a simple reminder. So I try to make it pretty creative, just a kind of reminder to you why we do it. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, I've been a Christian for a while, and I will spend time with the Lord, and it'll just kind of be redundant, and I don't, I kind of forget the, the passion, the why, why I do it. Does that make sense? And I kind of forget what it means to follow Jesus. How many of you guys fi- find that following Jesus is really hard? <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Right? And, and Jesus is like, oh, you know, like, um, lay down your burdens. You know, I, I, I'll give you a yoke that's way easier. than some of you guys are like, man, I'm sweating. I'm spiritually sweating. I'm spiritually sweating. I'm actually physically sweating. But, you know, like, I'm spiritually sweating because this is so hard to follow Jesus. But I think with habits, this will help. This will help in a way that reminds us without even having to be concentrating on it. That we'll be able to kind of do the things that we do. And as long as we're reminded, right? As long as we're reminded why we do what we do, it's, it's actually a blessing. It's, it's actually a lot easier. Okay, so we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, a little bit more. But we're going to be doing something called Tyranny of the Urgent. You guys have the worksheet in your hand? Oh, do we have, do we have pens? Hey, Jules, will you pass this out? If you don't have a pen, uh, Jules is passing out pens. So we're doing tyranny urgent. Rebecca, this is where I need you. I need you to draw a square with a square uh, across in it. Like, I need you to draw this <laughs> on there. And you can draw it ha- about half, half the sheet, half, I mean, half the board. All right, how many of you guys remember tyranny the urgent? How many remember tyranny the urgent? I've, I've taught this maybe four or five times, Okay. I've, I've talked about this four or five times. Okay, so this is the deal. You have, this is all of your life. You can divide them up in four categories, okay? Obviously, this is not realistic because you never really divide your life into four categories. But if you were, your four categories are as listed on your paper, right? The first one is urgent and important. So just put that on the top. Urgent and important. So this is the part of your life that is urgent, okay? Look at that. Nice handwriting. And important. Yeah, good. And then the other side is urgent but not important. Urgent but not important. And we'll kind of go through each of these categories. I'm going to give you like some time to actually write on your boxes, okay? That's why I gave it. The bottom over here is not urgent but important. And then the final one is not urgent, not important, okay? So I'm going to kind of go through this. Urgent, important is what? What's something that's urgent? Like you have to do it. No, that's not important. What? No, that's not urgent. You guys are getting there. Get your brains going. (laughs) Breathing? (laughs) No. Well, it depends on what the phone call. It could be urgent, important, right? But we're talking about like your job. Your job is important, right? Because you have to get money, right? (laughs) It, It can be, yeah? Right? So let's say your job or school, right? That's urgent and important. If you do not do your homework, what happens? If you do not finish your exam, what happens? If you do not show up, what happens? That's the urgency. Importance is, you know, like your future, your career. So it's urgent and important. So things like job, school. Urgent, not important is stuff what Aaron was talking about. You get a phone call from a friend, right? And it's not that your friend's in crisis mode, like I'm about to, you know, like, 
go kill somebody, you're like, ah, that's probably urgent and important. Right? But it's like a phone call, like someone hanging out, wanting to hang out. That's urgent because it's a phone call. You've got to pick it up or not pick it up, or not, uh, but not important. Text messages are like that. Emails are like that. There's a lot of stuff like that. Okay? Not urgent, important. This is where habits are. Huge, huge, huge. This is where you have to intentionally place things in your life in order to actually grow and gain. If you do not put things here, which a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't have anything here. In, in, in not urgent, but important. Because this is where you need discipline. This box right here is the discipline box. So if you want to learn a language, it's important, but it's not urgent. Nobody's forcing you to learn Korean or Chinese or Spanish, right? This, that's, that's not urgent, but it's important. Uh, you want to learn the guitar. A lot of you guys, I, I meet people all my life. Oh, I've always wanted to learn to play guitar. But they didn't have enough discipline to do anything about this in this box. Does that make sense? Spiritual growth. It's not urgent. Nobody's putting a gun to your head to have a quiet time or to study the Bible or read um, spiritual books or to witness to people, to tell people about Jesus. To, and that's why I think this is probably the weakest part of our life. The not urgent, not important, this is just trash. This is um, um, 2048. This is uh, League of Legends. This is marching band. Just kidding, just kidding. I love marching I love marching band. I love my. I, w- I used, used to be in marching band to, to pick up chicks. All right, so not urgent, not important, okay? This is the waste of time here. That's games, stuff like that we don't actually need. But this is what we're talking about here. This is your habits. All right, Rebecca, I need you to draw a picture, a big picture, and then we're going to put some words in it, okay? Check out this picture. I know it's going to be good. She's, she, wait, Rebecca, you go to Davidson? So it has to be good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> A pitcher. A pitcher of water. A pitcher of water, yeah. <laughs> Not a baseball pitcher. <laughs> and he's on first base. Oh, yeah. All right, so in this picture, we're going to have a couple, a couple of words, okay? This is our resources. These are our resources in here. Time. Time, energy, desire, and discipline. These are our pictures. This is our ice cube tray. Okay? Oh, yeah, discipline's kind of hard. You can put a D-I. Just put a D-I-C. There Oh, SC, yeah, thank you. I always get license wrong, too, like license plate or driver's license. My spell check's like, you're wrong. I'm like, oh, I don't know. All right, Rebecca, you're good. You can sit down now. Thank you. Everyone give her a hand. <clears throat> all right, here's, this is our ice tray of life. This is all the things that we have everything poured into. So what do you put your resources in? Do you put your resources in urgent, not important? All the things, the emails, the phone calls. Do you put all your resources in urgent and important? Like jobs, people that are workaholics, right? Do you put your work, I mean, your, all your resources in video games? Facebook, YouTube, movies, Korean dramas. Everyone's like, wait, Howard. <laughs> Hold on, don't get pointing fingers. 
do, are you pouring all your resources into this, or do you pour enough in here to where you're actually growing as a human being? Do you know that there's a, there was some like um, statistic or something study done, and they said the vast majority of people never read a book after high school. I know, Ken's like, I read books all the time because you're in high school. <laughs> Scarlet Letter, Kill a Mockingbird, you know, those books. <laughs> Do you put time in your habits? Because this is, the, this is the big deal, right? Spiritual growth. We're talking about spiritual growth mainly, okay? Time. Do you put time in growing your spiritual growth, growing your spiritual life? Do you put energy a lot of people take the time. Like, I know, I know a lot of people that are super disciplined person. They're just disciplined. They grew up disciplined. Their, their parents made them disciplined. They're in the military. They wake up at the 6 in the morning, and they read the Bible, and they pray. But there's no energy in it. What about desire? Where are you pouring all of your desire? Some of you guys are just, in this, this day and age, and your, your, your stage of life, a lot of you pouring your, life in, your desire into urgent and important. You don't put any desire in, in growing, your, growing your life, your spiritual life. You focus on your job, your career, your college. You're pouring all of your time, energy, and desire. If you thought about it, there was this podcast I listened to about Radiolab. Anybody listen to Radiolab? All right. The cool thing about Radiolab is it's like all scientific and all that kind of stuff, but it's really kind of cool and quirky. And there's this one episode where he talks about he just divided all of your life. It's like eternity. Like, let's say you, you, you were in front of Jesus, you died, you went in front of Jesus, and then he just lined up all your life into segments of what you did, like going to the bathroom 12 hours. So, like, for 12 hours, like, you're looking at your life going to the bathroom. Like, he just broke it up into segments. It's kind of quirky and weird, but, right? If you look at your life, right? It's like, how much time did you spend growing your faith? How much of that part of your life was actually you growing your faith? Because this is the deal. This is why it's hard, is the not urgent. This is not something that I'm going to do for you as a pastor. This is not even what your friends are going to do for you. What we try to do is we try to trick ourselves. Like, you know, one of the things I noticed that I'm, I really sucked at when I was growing up, when I first got saved, when I was 18, I got saved. I really had a hard time studying the Bible. I didn't know how to study the Bible. I didn't have a desire to study the Bible, but I kind of wanted to have a desire to study the Bible. So guess what I did? I enrolled in Bible college because then I had, all of a sudden, I pushed the spiritual growth. I pushed it into the urgent important because I had a professor that said, you got an F if you didn't study theology or if you didn't do your Romans project, the book of Romans, not on Roman people. Does that make sense? So I had to trick myself. But hopefully, hopefully you're not like me. Hopefully you're going to get to the point where the not urgent is important enough in your life. You're disciplined enough in your life. You're pouring your discipline. You, you have a desire. You're putting your energy and time. But you've got to be intentional about it. That's why we're talking about habits. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of you guys look great right now. But spiritually, you're growing. That's the question. Are you growing? When all things are said and done, when you leave the church... When you go to college, when you, when you become an adult, when you no longer fit in, the, in this student ministry because you, you're married and popping out kids and you feel weird up here. Are you growing? Do you depend on Pastor Hong's sermon or my sermon to grow in the Lord? Do you depend on Bible study to grow in the Lord? Like, what are you? Like, shed off all of the, 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 the costumes, like the... the the appearances, and like, how are you doing spiritually? Like, does Jesus really know you? If you were in a room with Jesus alone, would it be awkward? 
<laughs> he was like, Jesus, you know, like, would it be awkward? I think for the most of us, it, it, it probably would if we were really honest. Because we're probably not spending any time getting to know who Jesus is. All right, so that, why are we talking about hanging out with God? Well, it's so basic. Some of you guys, especially like at Bible college, you'll see this. Kids that grew up in the church their whole life, they're like, ah, I know this stuff already. Dude, whenever I, whenever I write sermons, I know all the stuff that I'm writing. It's not like I haven't learned it in, 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 ser, in, in, uh, in master's degree or undergrad in Bible college. I know this stuff, but every time I'm like convicted, I'm, I'm astounded by how far I am from where I want to be, where God, is, I think, has called me to be. The message about hanging out with God, it's important because without God, what are we? Radio Lab is really interesting because there's a couple of the guys that are hosts, I'm pretty sure they're atheists. Even though like Robert Coleridge, he's like the older guy, he always kind of fights for the beauty of things and all that stuff. But, but I'm pretty sure they're pretty, pretty much atheist. And they were just talking about, uh, there was a couple of guys that had lost their faith. They were like journalists. They were like part of telling the story. And they, had, they, they said, yeah, when I was in high school, I was a really strong Christian. And then now that I'm older, I, I don't believe in Jesus at all. I don't follow him. And then they were talking about evolution and what that meant and like how they were hoping that we were more than just animals. But like I was just thinking about like they were just like totally okay with it. They were just totally okay with the fact that, you know, like there's nothing to explain the divinity in us except for science. It was all chance. You know, the beauty of when when a child is born and you know something divine happened. Or when somebody asks for forgiveness when there's been years and years and years of, of broken relationship. Or when somebody becomes healed or something is, is unexplainable or when, a, when, uh, when, you know, like, I mean, anything. Like, there's so much divine going on in the world that you can't explain it through science, right? And they were just totally okay with, yeah, I, I just hope that there's something more. I hope? If we're not the kind of people that are close to God, what do we have? I was just thinking, like, as I was listening to the podcast and just trying to think the way they were thinking, I was like, if I was like that, then I would just take and take and take. Like, my whole life would be about getting what's mine. Because there's no other point. I mean, what, to further humanity? What, 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 what for? If when I die, nothing else matters and there's nothing bigger and there's nothing that's, that's holding me to this, this morality... It doesn't make any sense. If we're animals, then might makes right. It was scary. It was a scary, scary, scary thought. I can see why atheists, like certain atheists, would just be like really depressed. Like you look at a lot of these philosophers who walked away from the idea of God and they just led them to deep, dark holes, nihilism, and committed suicide or became violent like Sade. Right? Anyway, that was dark. All right, so we're going to talk about, talk about hanging out with God. Uh, why would I want to hang out with God? Because you become like the people you hang out with. Is that true? You guys ever, you ever find that? Uh, I'm a nice guy, right? But I know that when I hang there was this kid that used to make fun of everybody. He was just like this really big jerk. And he, he, you know, it was like middle school, I think it was like eighth grade. And he, was, he always talked like he was tough and big, and he just tried to make fun of everybody. Uh, even his friends, and we used to hang out together, and um, so he would make fun of me, I would make fun of him, my friends would make fun of him, he, my friends would make fun of me, I'd make fun of my friends. It just became this culture of making fun and ripping, tearing down, and nobody felt safe at all. We just all made fun of each other, but we just all wanted to have the upper hand and seem cool, right? Am I really naturally like that? No, not at all. 
But when I was around that crew, that's kind of how I was. Right? Who you hang out with. When you hang out with God, something changes in your head. When you, when you came out of a quiet time, and you, like, you know, like prayer time and worship time, and you think about God and all the goodness, all of a sudden everything in life is just a little bit different. And the more you do it, the more you spend time with God, the more you consistently do it, the more it shapes the way you look at life. It does. It shapes. I, I don't know about you, but like when I watch movies, there are some movies that are like really dark, um, depressing, and like there's no real good guy. Everyone dies. It's like really depressing. I come out, how do I feel? I feel depressed. I listen to music that's angry. When I was in high school, I used to listen to Rage Against the Machine. Have you ever heard of Rage Against the Machine? One of my favorite bands ever. I love it even now. And my wife just looks at me when I put it on the radio sometimes, uh, stereo, sometimes I play it just to remember how angry I was as a kid. And I'm like, man. And I can see Ezekiel in the back. He's like, eh. you know, I'm like, oh, let's turn this off. <laughs> turn it on Bethel or worship music or something like that. Um, but when I listen to music, it would make me feel a certain way. And that's why I would listen to it. But why, why do we hang out with God? Because it changes the way we are. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, one of my favorite examples, and I bring this up all the time because I want us to be like this, is a group called the Inklings. Okay, you guys know C.S. Lewis? J.R. Tolkien? Right, wrote Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, all that guy, right? Guy was a Christian, his best friend C.S. Lewis, Christian, wrote all the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote tons and tons of theological books that were fantastic, uh, that really helped Christians today. Um, I, I remember when he first got married, he married this woman that was like on a book tour where he was talking about Chronicles of Narnia. She met up with him. He fell in love with her. Uh, well, actually, no, they didn't even fall in love. She, he found out that she had terminal cancer. And they decided to get married, and he, he loved her. He ended up loving her, and he had, she, had a, he had a, she had a small son. And then he had to walk through with her as she died of cancer and how it broke him. And there was a movie called Shadowlands that was about it. Incredible, incredible movie. But he wrote a book about it. The, before he wrote The Problem of Pain, which was like a philosophical you know, discussion about pain. But he wrote later, he wrote uh, A Celebration of Joy. He wrote like all these other books that were talking about like uh, or Surprised by Joy, not Celebration of Joy. He, he wrote books about that journey and how he stopped thinking intellectually about pain, but how he really went through something horrible, relationship, right? The, her dying, and wrote something totally different that was so much more encouraging for Christians. These two guys, along with two other guys, Owen Barfield and uh, Charles uh, William, um, <coughs> they were the Inklings. They would meet at the pub. They would meet at a British bar, right? But pubs are kind of different. Like you have Bible study and then you go to the pub afterward. Or you'd have Bible study in the pub right, in England. It's pretty crazy. Uh, cool, crazy, okay? I didn't say cool. Never mind. It's something, all right? And these guys would go, and they would, they would smoke their cigars and their pipes, and they would drink beer, and then they would discuss God, and they would encourage each other. Like, J.R. Tolkien didn't want to write. C.S. Lewis, Lewis was kind of afraid to write certain things. They would encourage each other and make each other better. That's what I love about the Inklings. They, you have friends around you that's going to make you worse or you're going to make you better. I promise that God is one person, right, that will make you better. Your life will be far greater with the Lord, I promise, because my life, I told you, you guys know my testimony over and over again, my, my trajectory, my life trajectory was horrific. I was going to be an absentee father, I was going to be abusive, I was going to be violent, I was probably going to be a criminal, I was probably going to be addicted to drugs, but that didn't happen because God changed my trajectory. Why hang out with God? Because you become like the people you hang out with. Here's a couple of things that you need to know. Your relationship with God is meant to grow. Now, this is really, really important because a lot of people think once I say the words, once I pray a prayer, I am done. Me and God are good. But that's just not the case. 
I'm not saying that you and God aren't good, but you want to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And the idea is, uh, like my wife and I, and I always bring my wife up as an illustration, but it's a great illustration. I think marriage really does show us a relationship between the church and Christ uh, and God and one another and love and, and all these good stuff, right? So let's say my wife and I got married. You see this all the time, and we just stopped investing in our marriage. What ends up happening? Um, this is what my parents look like. This is what, no, her parents are still in love. There's, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that you meet, older people, people that get married, and they don't ever talk to each other. They don't spend time with one another. They don't do anything together. They don't get to know each other more. Because the thing is, as you grow older, you begin to evolve and change and, and, and grow and have different ideas and, and different parts of your life that, that form and develop. Right? But if you, st- if you get married and you don't invest any other time, you just kind of live together like roommates, there's a big, big, big problem. My wife and I, we go on dates every week. Yeah, we do. We went to Thai food this last week. It was not very good, but the date was good. And she cried about how hard school was. We were getting to know one another more and more and more. I've been married 16 years, going on 17 years. Five kids. You'd think I would know her, but I don't. I mean, I do, but I want to know her more. I continue to invest in the marriage and the relationship. Does that make sense? If I didn't, if what I did was just spend my time doing my work, doing my things, we would continually grow more and more distant, and guess what? That's why adultery happens. That's why, well, adultery happens because people sin, but, but that's part of it, you know? Then you have people getting divorces. You have people just living as roommates. Do you want, does anybody want a marriage like that? Anybody? I hope not, right? I, I hope that your marriage is wonderful. I hope, you know, the ever, uh, uh, they, they lived happily ever after. Happily ever after means intentionally ever after. They lived intentionally to continue to grow in their relationship with one another. That's what that means. It doesn't just happen. I wish. I wish that, like, you know, like how people are like, oh, I just fell out of love. No, you stop trying. I wish that it was so easy just to, you know, like, once I turn my love on, I just, it just stays on. I just love her consistently forever, but it doesn't happen. I have to be very, very intentional. And your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God has to be the exact same way. And a lot of people are like, well, then your, then your love isn't real. If you have to force it, it isn't real. That's stupid. That's stupid. I have to choose to love my wife every single day, and she has to choose to love me. I have to choose to love my kids every day. I have to choose my kids over my ministry every day. Sometimes I don't answer your text messages because I'm hanging out with my kids or I'm doing something else. Or sometimes I don't come to church because I'm spending time with my kids because I choose my kids over you. Why? Because I'm intentionally loving my kids. And that's not easy because people don't understand that. They're like, well, this is your job. You have to, well, you know, like, the fact of the matter is I love every single one of you, but I love you differently than my kids. The fact of the matter is that you will leave me one day or I will leave you one day. And that's real. But I won't leave my kids and my kids won't leave me unless we die, but then we'll see each other in heaven again. Does that make sense? It's like this being intentional with your relationship with God, recognizing that it has to, be, it has to grow, doesn't mean it's fake because you have to make it grow. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's less worthy because it doesn't just happen naturally, because it doesn't gush out. That's what this generation wants. This generation just wants a relationship with God that's easy cheesy, and then we wake up in the morning and they feel like hallelujah choruses happen all day long. It doesn't. That's not how your relationship with God is. Now, we're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about you need to work to get saved. That's not what I'm saying. But if your relationship wants to grow, you need to put your, put your life into it. You need to put your resources into it. Yeah? 
Spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. The first one is your relationship with God is meant to grow. Second one, spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. That means it takes a long time. People forget this all the time. People think that their relationship with God, as soon as they're good, they're going to be good forever. But you know what? I have doubts all the time. Remember that week that we talked about doubts? I have doubts all the time. I've heard in this last month, I've heard five people walk away from Jesus. They just, and it wasn't like emotional. It wasn't like, I just didn't feel like following Jesus. They literally just felt, they woke up one morning and said, oh, I just don't, I just, I just realized I don't believe in Jesus anymore. And that terrified me. I'm like, what does that mean? Wait, what does that mean for me? Do I really be? I started having doubts and started thinking about it. Then I started to look back on my spiritual life. 18 years being saved, 19 years, I don't remember how long I got, when I got, became a Christian, but I look back on that life. I looked at all of the ups and downs. I no longer started thinking in terms of, oh no, this is it. I'm going to walk away from Jesus. I wasn't panicked by it because I knew that from where I was then to where I am now is a huge difference. And I know from where I am then and where I will be before I die will be another huge difference. And I don't have to be panicked at these moments of doubt or fear or insecurity or torture or dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it. I don't have to worry. I think a lot of times we just think our momentary reality, this right now, right now how I feel in the moment is all I have, but it's not true. It's a lifelong journey. Sanctification, the process of becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming closer to Jesus, closer to God, is a lifetime journey, and it's beautiful. This is the great example. Okay, so this last Thursday, I, um, oh, I stayed home. My buddies were like, you know, hey, come on, we're, we go out every Thursday. We go fishing, catch striper, bass, um, stuff like that. And they're like, oh, come. Uh, and I said, well, no, we, 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 I made my daughter's birthday party on Thursday. She's going to have a sleepover because on Friday they didn't have school. And so we did a party and made Korean food. She, my, wife, my daughter wanted Korean food, which is kind of weird, but she wanted Korean food. And her friends came over. They all, like, stayed up all night singing, like, Katy Perry songs and Twilight, Taylor Swift songs and and it was just horrible. It was, like a, it was like a miserable experience. So I tell my wife around 9 o'clock, I'm like, I got to go. I got to go hang out with the guys. Like the party's over. We did the ice cream cake and birthday and all that stuff. And the girls are just singing and dancing around, frolicking, right? And I'm just like, I got to go. And she's like, okay. And as I was going, I got a text message from one of my guys. He's like, you almost here yet? I'm like, no, I just left the house. He says, well, you need to come as soon as you can. And then they sent me a picture. And if you want to see my, the picture later, I'll show you. But there is Joe, my, my buddy Joe, in a sweatshirt with a gigantic hook. Like the hook was this big. It was a treble hook, like three hooks, right? Like this, jammed into his arm through this sweatshirt. I'm like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal because I can't see it. There's no blood, nothing right there. There's just a gigantic hook. I'm like, what is that? They're like, you need to stop by a drugstore and buy a scalpel. And I'm like, uh, like this is starting to get crazier. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, okay, scratch that. The drugstores don't sell scalpels. You need to go to Michael's and buy an X-Acto knife. I'm like, an X-Acto knife? All right. I mean, I'm wor- uh, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> so I, try- I step by Michael's, go and buy an X-Acto knife for $6.99, right? I bought the cheapest one, but the silver, because there was a pink one. I was like, ah, we can't do surgery with a pink one. So we go to Trevor's house, and we're out in the front, and he's like, hey, how you doing? His sleeves are cut off. They'd just gotten out of the car because they went to the, the pharmacy. They were looking for um, a numbing agent. What is that? Uh, cane, cane, lido, light, light, lidocaine, yes. Maddie knows everything. Lidocaine and apples. No, just kidding. Just at lidocaine. They were looking for it, but they couldn't find anything. So they were looking for something with pure lidocaine in it, uh, a high amount to numb where they are because they're about to cut into it. And they couldn't find anything. So they found 
they, they were asking for like different things, asking the pharmacist, and the pharmacist was like, oh, use this. This is a hemorrhoid cream for hemorrhoids. If you don't know what hemorrhoids are, don't look it up. I just want to promise you, you don't want to look it up. Hemorrhoid cream. So he buys hemorrhoid cream because it has like 10% lidocaine in it or whatever. So they, he's rubbing hemorrhoid cream on it. <laughs> and he's like, is it working? Is it working? He's like, no, no, I can still feel it. <laughs> Probably because the hook's in his arm. And so we're just like, uh, okay, well, we're, you know, doesn't matter. We're going to go inside. And I was like, what's the game plan? And I have this all on video, but there's a lot of cussing in it. So I, I don't want you to watch it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> and so they push up on the hook, so the hook is coming up, right? But it can't poke through. They tried poking through, but it was like leather. It was like leather, his skin. I was like, Joe, man, your skin's tough. He's like, yeah. Anyway, so, and then so they start slicing into it, cut, cut, cut. But the X-Acto knife is not meant to cut skin. It's not. I mean, it's great at paper. So he had to cut like 12 times. And of course, Joe's like, oh, like that. And then, he, they, so they, they slid open the skin, and they, they push it down, and they're like, okay, let's do it. He's just, do it already! And they're like, okay, and they just, boom, like, the hook just came out, big black barb hook. I mean, the hook was thick. It's not like a little hook. It's like a gigantic eight-inch lure hook. And so we're just like, oh, my gosh. And so we had to use a bolt cutter to cut the barb off to slide it out. And so they put the bolt cutter on there, and chicken, uh, JJ, John Pay. All right, anyway, um, the junior high pastor, he's trying to cut the thing, but he, won't, he can't cut it because it's just not strong enough. And at the same time, it's like twitching, and he's like, just cut it! And he's like, pop! And it cuts it. And the barb falls, and you know, I, I'm videoing the whole thing. I'm the camera guy. And then they slide it out, right? And then they, they cover it up. And then they put a bunch of uh, iodine on it, whatever. And then, you know, like stuff that we think that hospitals would do. Because we don't know. We're like on YouTube, like, how do you do this? Right? We cover it, we bandage it, right? And it's still bleeding a little bit, so we tie it like tighter uh, because we're not, we don't know what we're doing. And like, put your head, hand over your head, you know, because it's above your heartbeat, right? I saw this on TV. And, uh, <laughs> and then the next morning, we're like texting him like all day long, like, are you getting blood poisoning? Do you feel like throwing up? Do you have a fever? Is it green? Is it turning green? I saw that on your, is it gangrene? Smell it, you know, like things like that. And he's still alive to this day. But this is the deal, right? And we're all talking in a circle afterward, and we're looking at one another, and we're like, man, this is unbelievable that we've been friends for so many years, and like best friends, and we hate each other sometimes. We want to punch each other's lights out. But you begin to realize like, the level of trust that we got to do surgery on, on one, of, one of our buddies. And it was awesome. They, we, we were all talking about like, how cool we are, because we, you know, and then they turned to me like, Howard, would you, you would let us take the hook. I'm like, no. They're like, why not? I'm like, okay, so all the, 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 the centuries of science and medicine that we've developed. I'm just going to throw it away for a couple of guys. <laughs> I just go to the ER. And they're all like, oh, we would do it. We would. I'm like, and we asked Chicken, you know, if he would do it. He's like, of course, I have to do it now because you guys did it, you know. That's how I got to felt. But there was just this deep, deep, deep-seated trust. And I could not tell you when I first met Joe, we would go watch UFC fights at, at Buffalo Wild Wings, right? I only saw him once a month. And we would talk about beating each other up. Not each other, but like people fighting and stuff. Like we thought that we were cool. I would never have told you that we would not come to this point in this day and age where we're popping out the, the, the hook. But also this deep-seated love that we have one another. Our relationship has changed over the year after year after year after year. Stop thinking in terms that God, your relationship with God is going to be as piddly as it is now. If you feel like here, your relationship with God is very, very limited, very, very narrow, very, very small. You don't know how it feels. You're not sure where you are with your relation with God or how deep it is. It's not going to stay the same. Isn't that beautiful? 
your relationship with God will become deeper and deeper and deeper. One of those moments when I realized how deep my relationship with the Lord was, because, you know, sometimes you don't know until you're tested. But, I, you know, I've told you the story when my wife lost uh, our baby. It was after Josiah. Uh, my wife was pregnant for around almost three months, first trimester, ending the first trimester. Maybe a little bit after the first trimester, a couple weeks after. And then we went to the nurse <clears throat> or the hospital, and they did a thing. I don't know what it's called anymore. I blocked all that out of my head. But they, they, they scanned it, and there was no heartbeat. Right? And my wife kind of knew, like I guess God had maybe told her or something. I don't know. She just kind of had this feeling she knew that the baby was dead. And I didn't know. She didn't share this with me because I think she was probably afraid. She wasn't sure what if it was wrong. Maybe the baby's fine. So she didn't share anything with me. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just kind of realized, like, the first person I cried out to was, God, what am I going to do now? You know, like all of my dreams, the hopes that I have with this child, because like every time you have a kid, it's like a big deal. I know I have five and I act like they're not a big deal, but they are a big deal. They shape my life. They change my life, right? They bring joy. I have dreams and hopes for each one of them, that they would be incredible missionaries for God, <laughs> change the world, and have Howard babies all over the world. Uh, just kidding. <clears throat> kind of. I'm kind of kidding, but it'd be really cool if like Key became a really like common name, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But like my heart was broken in that moment with that baby and I was just like, man, God, right? And I just, my wife and I didn't talk very much. She said she knew, she felt it. And we talked a little while and I just stunned silence the whole way home. And I remember for those next couple of weeks, I was just like by myself, just spending time with God, just talking to God about it, right? You're going to have moments in your life where you will be on the breaking point. And you will find that your relationship with God will show whether it's strong or weak. And sometimes, for some people, it tips them over. That's why I love suffering. I know suffering sounds terrible, but like suffering is one of those beautiful things that, that sometimes that God uses suffering in such a way that he draws us close to him. I've had a horrible childhood, broken relationships, horrible examples, super dysfunctional, super insecure, on and on and on in my life, and yet here I am. Through all that suffering, God has showed me more and more that he's faithful and he's worth knowing. There's a lot of passages that I skipped over, but the last thing is uh, developing spiritual habits or spiritual growth, right, will help you grow on your own. These habits here, you will not be dependent on me. You will not be dependent on your friends alone. Community is important, but the problem is this is reality. You will not be in your community forever. You will not have the same friends forever, especially in your age, because a lot of transition happens in your life. So for your faith to continue to grow, you need to be able to continue to grow yourself, to feed yourself, to continue to go to God, to have the habit of reading books, and on and on. We'll talk about the other habits later, but you want to continue to develop these disciplines, hanging out with God, so that when, when your circumstances change, when your community changes, when you go to college and you don't have your church anymore, things don't shift that much. You're continuing to grow in the Lord. You're continuing to lean on Him. Because the example that we see in our, in our group here is that when you guys go to college, most of you guys, your faith suffers in deep, deep ways. Now, I have faith. I believe that God is more than able to hold on to you, but I don't think you have to go through that where your faith has to suffer whenever you go off to college. And I don't want you to, I don't want any of you ever to say, oh, you know, I, I did go to that church, but I didn't feel like I was getting fed. 
That's a cop-out. Getting fed is a cop-out. Do not go to a church because you're getting fed. And that's my own personal opinion, but I think that a lot of Christians, they stay spiritual infants because they expect their pastors to hand-feed them. But we cannot hand-feed you in a 15, 20, 30, 40-minute sermon every week. Once a week with me, what, and most of you don't remember what I say afterward. That's not how you're going to continue to grow and be fed in the Lord. You cannot depend on me. You have to find out ways to continue to feed yourself, to be disciplined, to start pouring your resources here. Otherwise, you will stay an infant the rest of your life. You ever wonder why certain church members, their elders, their deacons, their senior deacons, their whatever titles they give them, and they're still acting like children. They gossip about each other. They backbite. They fight. They're malicious. They're angry. They hate. They don't forgive. You wonder why? Because they're infants. They think their spiritual uh, diet comes from their pastor, but it doesn't. I love this passage in 2 Timothy. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, uh, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Some of you guys come to me because you're like, oh, there's this atheist that I talked to and I don't know what to say to him. Well, you should learn. But you shouldn't just learn from a book and memorize it. Wrote. You should learn from your life. Why? Why do you follow Jesus? Why does that matter? What is God speaking to you in your quiet times? What has God shown you in your life over and over and over again? How has he helped you through the hard times? Atheists have no answer for that. Right? Atheists do not have answers for that. Do your best to present yourself to God. I don't want you to leave this church a spiritual infant. How many of you guys like to eat out? Restaurants. I love eating at restaurants. But my wife and I, we're, I mean, I'm a pastor and my wife is a student, a full-time student now. Right? So we don't have any money. Right? So I can't eat out all the time. Right? So what do I do? I, me and my wife have decided, we're going, at home at least, we're going to try to make all the foods that we really like. Right? So you come to my house, a lot of you come to my, my house and we try to feed you guys really good food. Like one of the things you've probably eaten is chicken brian. Right? That's from Carabas. It's phenomenal. It has goat cheese in it and sun-dried tomatoes. I didn't like sun-dried tomatoes or goat cheese until I had chicken brian. Then I liked it. It's delicious. Right? We learned how to make it. Pad thai. Uh, that didn't work so well. I, I still work on the walk, and it's, it's really hard to get high heat, but I'm working on that. Um, briskets, ribs, barbecue. If you come to my house, you have a lot of barbecue because we eat that a lot. Right? Oh, we made uh, bon uh, mi sandwiches. Right? Learned how to make bon mi sandwiches. Fantastic. Um, hot wings. Oh, tapioca buns. This is the most important thing. If you love me and you go to Atlanta and you go to like White Windmill or any of those Korean bakeries or bakeries, bring me back tapioca buns and we'll be friends forever. Or coffee from Starbucks, but that's not from Atlanta because then it'll be tepid. Yeah? So we learn how to make it on our own. It's the same thing with your spiritual life. It is very, very easy to say, you know what? I really like Howard's preaching and that's where I'm going to get fed. But the only problem is I only hear Howard preach once a week. And sometimes I stayed up late last night and I didn't sleep enough. And then when I come to church, I don't pay attention. I'm zoning out. Oh, but then I have a podcast. If your spiritual life is about what I teach, then you're limited to what I teach you. And if I'm wrong, you're learning wrong stuff. But if you continue to grow on your own, if you continue to read, continue to, to spend time with the Lord, it changes everything. Yeah? All right. So how do we do it? Really simple. Resources. Look at your time. How much time? Look at your energy. 
desire, your discipline. Start investing in there. And, I, and this is the thing. It takes what, what, what is the science? 21 days to develop a habit or something like that, a new habit. 21 days. You start investing in there, right? If it doesn't work, don't give up. Change it. Do something different. Uh, one of the things that my staff is reading right now is the message version of the Bible. We love it. For the reading portion, not studying, you, the message is a paraphrase. But it's really great to read the Bible in message because it talks like just like us. It, that's what it sounds like. It talks like talks, it's, it's written just like how we talk every single day. Right? So if it doesn't work, choose something different. Figure something else out. Right? Spend time with the Lord. Ha, like there is tons and tons of resources on Google. Quiet times with the Lord. Get tips from, the, from, from Google. There's tons. Right? There's different methods. One, one for a, a year, two years, I did uh, the common book of prayer. The Anglican comic book of prayer. Common book of prayer, not comic book. Common book. And you, go, you read through all these prayers. And it was very, very systematized, but it was a really beautiful, beautiful thing. And it was really cool because the church was doing it all throughout the centuries. It's really cool to unite yourself in that. Figure it out. Um, the next thing is uh, take the time regularly. Do this all the time, right? Which means, and this is the trick, right? If it doesn't work in your bedroom or your closet, your mom's like, what are you doing in your closet? Because that's a prayer closet. Get it? Prayer closet. All right. Um, if you drive a lot, I drive from here to Augusta. I pray a lot. And I drive home and I pray a lot. I listen to podcasts, read audiobooks, listen to the Bible, pray. That's what I do. Figure out what's your schedule. Go to bed a little later. <laughs> so you're like going to bed at four. Don't go to bed that, that late. Uh, wake up a little earlier. Get off of Facebook earlier. Some of you guys need to make decisions with your social media or your, uh, your addiction behavior. Because you're spending it all, all your, all your resources in the not urgent, not important. So if you're on Facebook for 12 hours for no reason, because you like cat videos, you got problems, man. Right? Just get off a little bit earlier and, and, and then invest your time here. Right? Um, yeah, and then, and then look. And then, you know, there, there's really other cool things that you can do, uh, like a worship time. Um, sometimes I listen to worship music because there's really talented uh, worship leaders and really spirit-led, and I'll listen to, like, Bethel, and I'll just, you know, have really big headphones, not, like, beats. I'm, I'm 38 years old. Uh, but you just listen to music, and, and it's really powerful. It reminds you, you know, like, what worship is like and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, forget the guilt. This is the crippler, man. If you think about your relationship with the Lord and all you can think about is your failure, it will sink your relationship with the Lord. Think about if my, my wife and I, all I, talk, all I thought about with my wife, I never enjoyed my wife. All I did was talk about how I sucked as a husband. My relationship, at least my perception of my relationship with my wife would be very, very poor, very, very broken, very, very messed up. Am I right? God's like, hey, dude, <laughs> it's no problem, man. I love you. I've forgiven you for your sins. I still love you. Yeah, we're going to continue to work on it. We're continuing to grow. God's going to speak these things to you. And you're going to be like, I suck, God. I failed again. No, no, no. Get out of the guilt, right? Go to God. Every time you see him, it, rem remind yourself that he's really excited to see you every single time. You walk through the front door. God's not like, ah, you and I need to talk. That's not what God's doing. You open the front door. God's like, yes, come sit down. Let's have some tea or whatever you drink, coffee, crumpets, you know, whatever, like, you know, and he wants to hang out with you, and it's awesome, and it's a good time. Enjoy it. Relax. Tell God all, of, all the sucky things that are happening, and then talk about how, good, how awesome God is and how good he is, man. Right? And again, if you have problems like trying to figure out, I need something more systematic. Some of you guys are like really focused on that kind of stuff. Look it up on Google, man. You'll find a lot of resources. All right? I know this is a real simple message, but just remind yourself that uh, this is where you want to invest, okay?
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for all that you're doing in the life of our students. Lord, help us to grow beyond infancy spiritually. God, I know that you've called us deeper because you want us to do amazing things. You have amazing things for us. And I just pray that you would not allow us to be stopped by the fact that we have a lack of discipline or that we're just stopped by our guilt or self-condemnation. God, that we would be able to just take a deep breath and enjoy our moment with you, our times with you, and let that shape us and to draw us near to you, God. And I just pray that we would be an encouragement to one another, Lord. Help our brothers and sisters to, to be quick with their words, to, to, be, to speak encouragement to be in life over one another. So I just thank you for what you're going to do. And we just give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.